but you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! And as the music has already told you, I am Dave. Thanks for listening. This is our podcast. It's called An Open Letter. I have a couple of my friends with me here tonight. And uh, first one here is my good friend, Chad Cashman, who we call Cashmeister. No, we don't. No, we, we don't. don't. We, we don't, don't call him that ever. But never. we should. We're going to start it now. Jared, no, Jared what do you no, think? Should we call him the Cashmeister? Never. I like that. Yeah, you can't yeah. nod on podcast, buddy, because hey. they can't hear you when you're not. <laughs> I, got, I got the camera with me. It's, so. it's only a second podcast. It's okay. All right. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm good. How good. about you? I'm good. It's been a while. It has been a while. I apologize to uh, our listeners that uh, we kind of took the summer off. But big things happened while you guys were out. What's Big things did happen. Are you going to share? About what? The big things that happened. I don't know. There's so many. Like, what should we share? Well, let me introduce my... Fiance, Carol. Hello. I am actually still the same person as the Carol he introduced as his girlfriend before. This is good to know. She has not changed who she is. So anyway, here we are. We are in an open letter. Chad, we welcome you. Carol, we welcome you. But we also welcome to the podcast our guest, Jared Zimmerman. He's nodding again. Jared, you got to use your words. Use your words, buddy. Glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, so we're a little giddy this tonight. We uh, it's getting a little, it's kind of later here than we normally we uh normally record. So we're going to start this session off with something we always do. It's called a little thing we like to call off the cuff, where I ask a question to everyone here, and we kind of just think of something right off the cuff of what the answer is going to be. So today's question is this: When you were little, what was your dream job? And we're going to start with my lovely fiance, Carol. Well, as you know, I don't have favorites. So I had a couple of dream jobs, and I tried hard to decide between them. One was to run an orphanage. Big surprise. Another was to be a scientist that developed ways to grow food for the starving people in Africa. The third had to do something with animals because I just loved animals, but I didn't know what. Because I fainted at the sight of blood, so I knew I couldn't be a vet. Could you have been a scientist who got animals to feed orphans? I don't know. That sounds a little gross. (laughs) But orphans have to eat, too, and they eat animals, right? But I liked animals. Gotcha. So that is a bad mashup for you then. No orphans eating animals that you created as a scientist. Animals that I created as a scientist? Yeah, yeah. You know, like to feed the orphans. So anyway, never mind. Like GMO animals that grow really big? Yeah, yeah. The good kind. All right. So, Chad, what, what is your dream job? What was your dream job when you were a little boy? I wanted to be an actor. Did you really? Yes, I did. Why did you almost do a spit take on that, Carol? <laughs> Carol almost did a spit take. You said actor, and liquid almost came spewing out of her mouth and nostrils. Okay, that's bad for a lot of reasons. Number one, oh, I know. because I'm sitting right across from her. And number two, the Cons- board is right in front of me. Considered a baptism. Carol, why did you do almost do a spit take yeah, on yeah, that? Yeah, I'd like to hear this one. I'm not really sure. It just really surprised me. That's more what I expected David to answer. Well, I haven't answered yet. So, Chad, you wanted to be an actor, huh? Yes. Why? Because I think acting is fun. I wish I could still do it. Why can't you still do it? Don't have time. Well, community uh, theater, the commitment for community theater is huge. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it, I just, I can't do that. Yeah, i got a couple listeners out there. I know that I've done a little bit of community theater in the area and I haven't done anything for a couple of years because the time commitment is massive. A couple months is just sucked away. You're just, it's gone. And I'm kind of demanding. Well, it, it's not demanding to just want to spend time with your fiance. <laughs> I, well, hey, Chad gets one in there. We got one one point for Chad there. Uh, Jared, what? Oh, there it is. Uh, 
What did you want to be when you were a little when you were a little Jared Zimmerman when you had a boy bun and not a man bun? I thought I was going to be a professional hairstylist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, a, <laughs> I like all right, all right. A professional football player, like oh, anyone really? else who did good in um, racket football. Okay, so that was the dream. That was you were the okay. So what did you? Uh, what team would you have played for? Perfect scenario. Well, I loved Barry Sanders, so the Lions. Okay. But yeah. No. As I, I grew up, I realized that that's probably not the best choice. Are you uh, no longer a Lions fan? Uh, no, I am, but I don't watch a lot of football anymore. Just so I'd say I'm still a fan, but I don't watch a lot of TV. So. That, well, you can tell because you guys obviously can't see this. Although we do have a camera doing some filming here, <laughs> that uh, Jared's biceps are about the size of my thighs. So. And those um, are some pretty big thighs. I'm those sure. are some pretty big thighs. You're sure? You've seen the thighs. You don't no, have to I guess. Don't, I, don't, I don't think I need to. Well, I know I can show you right now. Hold on a second. Now, are we complimenting his thighs or my biceps now? The answer to that is yes. Yes. All right. Absolutely. So we did uh, We did ask Jared to be on the podcast here today. Oh, I didn't answer the off-the-cuff question. You did not. Um, but Carol's right. Uh, I, I actually wanted, I really wanted to be either an actor or I wanted to be a, a, a pitcher for a Major League Baseball because I'm a huge baseball fan. I would have loved to have done something in professional sports, but <laughs> I was a little short in the uh, the gene pool when it comes to that type of athletic talent. just wasn't there. So what sabotaged your dream to be a uh, professional uh, NFL player there? Um, going into high school, I weighed a little over 100 pounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we no, call that a flyweight yeah, so, in boxing, I think? Yeah I, yeah, I switched to cross country to stay in shape for wrestling and then just never – grew so you <laughs> <laughs> not until after high school i didn't really grow much so i gotcha all right all right so but obviously uh we're going to talk a little bit here we got jared on the show for a couple different reasons uh jared actually we're, we're trying to help him out jared's a good guy i met him uh at the bank where i work uh, about in january of this year in 2016 and i got to know jared a little bit and he told me some of his story and i thought wow we really want to get this guy on the podcast and it's taken a little bit of time, as it often does. But uh, Jared has started his own business, and we're here to help him kind of promote his business a little bit and to hear his story because we feel he's got a really good story to tell. Again, as is kind of normal for our show, it's not an easy story. It's kind of challenging, but um, that's why we've invited Jared on the show. But to start, tell us about your business. Tell us about what you do. Okay, so I have a fitness page um, predominantly social media, and it's called Inspire One Fitness. And what it is, it's a combination of faith and fitness, trying to help people overcome, you know, the different obstacles or different hardships in their life. And kind of just sharing my story with those two things, how they've helped me overcome different circumstances. You know, help them, whether it be faith or fitness or just a completely different healthy way to to deal with, you know, whatever it is they're going through. Kind of just you know, give them that inspiration and try to show by living it, but also, you know, helping them out um, and just showing that, that I've made it through. Yeah. And also, you know, sharing sharing my story and then other people as the page grows. Um, sharing that because, and getting other people to share and open up about things because, you know, the whole idea of it is the name is if you can inspire one, or it's Inspire One Fitness, so kind of the idea behind the name is if you can inspire one, you never know who that person could inspire and who that person could inspire. So it's kind of like a, a chain reaction, a domino effect of, you know, helping people out, okay, um, sharing stories and helping people overcome stuff. So. so if someone's listening here and they're like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. I'd like to check into that. How can they find out more about your business? So right now our biggest platform is Facebook, um, and that would just be Inspire One Fitness. And it's just a picture of me on the front uh, with a big IF shirt on. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much where we're the most known, I'd say. We're coming up on 2,000 likes. So. That's awesome. So we're getting there. That's, that's, that's a great start. And, yeah, and you've yeah. learned a lot of lessons. When we opened up your account back in uh, January, February of this year, I mean, like you told me earlier, you had a lot of passion, and you still do. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of thoughts of where this was going to go and how fast it was going to be successful. And, um, I mean, so 2,000 likes is kind of a big deal. I mean, we have a we have a page for our podcast on Facebook, and I think we have seven likes. Is that right? About eight? <laughs> seven or eight, I think? 
No, no, we we don't have anywhere near two thousand. But I did. You've been aggressive with that. And we kind of want to learn from you on how to get more people interested because we think what we do is important, just like you. Yeah, yeah. So in our podcast, kind of does the same thing where we, at this stage, we're still a small podcast and. We don't know who we impact, and we talk about topics that we think are really important, and that's why we brought you on the show. Uh, anything else you want to share about the business before we dive into your story? Well, I've had a lot of people asking me just through the page a lot about like when we're going to be selling things because I, I wouldn't really call it a business yet because we're not you know can't really right. call something a business if it's not selling anything. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to say that we're focusing a lot on just trying to grow it and create as much value as we can, um, grow the platform, and. Just show people that we're really, we are what we say we are. You know, our, our actions show that, you know, we create enough value and get people involved before we really try to grow the business part of it. So so anyone that's been asking me, you know, hold your horses, it'll come. So but, what do you do for money then? I mean, how do you make money? Um, I, no, I, <laughs> I actually, I work at uh, Snap Fitness um, okay. right by my house and I train there too. So, so pretty much everything I do in my life is evolved around fitness that's cool and, so. you, and you can tell i mean obviously you, you you're you're in good shape oh, thank you um <laughs> i have a little man crush not gonna lie no i'm just kidding no but you're in good shape but do you <laughs> <I'm> find <jealous>. <laughs> i don't think you need to be do you find like you told me a little story before we got in the the podcast here that you were at uh, grand haven that some guy was sizing you up <laughs> yeah well i think that's pretty common in uh Kind of the, not that blatantly, though, right? I mean, he was just like totally just he, staring. He was just kind of staring. So I don't know if it was like a good or bad, but I felt like he was kind of just glaring me down. And <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I was. Just, I just have that look like someone wants to hit me in the face, which I can, <laughs> I can understand that. But Really? I, it wouldn't be <laughs> see, the first I didn't, time. But. I did not get that impression. I didn't see Jared for the first time. I said, you know, if I could, I'd slug this guy in the face <laughs> right now. I would totally just <laughs> uppercut him in the jaw. But you thought that after we met, though. Well, after a little <laughs> while, you assaulted me a few times. Then I thought maybe that might be not be a bad idea. No, but anyway, do you get guys size you up a lot? Um, not really. Um, I mean, I used, back when I was like into partying and stuff more, you know, in some of those places, like going out to bars and yeah. apartments and a lot of that kind of stuff, then yeah. Um, and that led to some encounters, but well, I mean, guys especially get a little alcohol in them. Yeah, and guys yeah. are like, I'm going to go after a guy who looks tough because you know for whatever yeah, reason. It's I think it's just a uh, guys. You know, it's just a way they prove that they're manly, or I don't know. But it's like the uh, the Rams knocking horns. You know, they're just like trying to show who's tougher, but it's kind of dumb. Yeah, trying to be alpha, trying to show that alpha <laughs> male is trying to show off for the ladies. So the topic tonight we're going to talk about is. Is, is serious because we're going to talk about your brother and uh, we're going to talk about what happened with him and it's really not been that long ago yeah why don't you uh just kind of start us off here and tell us about a little bit about your brother okay um like not about what happened yet or not yet wrong? let's just tell us a little bit well we're, it's not like it's a big secret but uh, jared's brother committed suicide about uh two years ago you told me yeah in uh in march of 2014 okay. that's when i all right we heard the news so Okay, so what? Uh, tell me a little bit about your brother and what you remember. <laughs> he was uh, he was an all or nothing kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if he was he was one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life. You know, when he when he decided he wanted to do something, he just had like this God given talent that I've never seen in any other person. And uh, it, but it wasn't just athletics. It was he graduated with a four point over a four point in high school. So this is the kind of guy in high school that I hated. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, had it all. Yeah, except height. He wasn't very. He was like <laughs> five three. So oh, so he was pretty on short then. Oh yeah, he oh, was. Okay. He was just a little. He was a little stud. Just he was. A, we were all wrestlers, so <laughs> yeah. he was. He was perfect for wrestling. Just, yeah, just absolutely. Yeah, he but, was like no one's taking him down. Oh no, no. Did you <laughs> wrestle with him a lot? Do you guys go kind of spar a bit, or is it called sparring? Um, is that right? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't. Know, I don't know wrestling terms. Training, uh, going live. Um, okay. But yeah, we we were 15 months apart. So I, yeah. as soon as we could walk, I mean, we were pretty much practice partners because for most of my life, people thought we were twins. Oh, um, sure. Up until we got a little older, and you could tell I got a little taller, and he stayed, right. you know, the same. But, right. um, yeah. So from the time we could walk, we were pretty much competitive in any area, not just wrestling, but anything we did was a competition. Now, I have a good friend of mine, um, and he has um, boys 
that are pretty close in age. And he said that they're either best, fast, closest friends, or they are nemesis, <laughs> dire enemies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that true with you guys? Yeah, it was, uh, well, especially as we got older, it was, you know, things would be great. And then about every four or five, six months, we'd have like a good fist fight. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who usually won? He won every time. Did he? Okay, yeah. so now your, your brother uh, is older than you. Yes. Right? Yep. And um, so 15 months older, you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was it like growing up with a guy who's good at everything? What was that like? I loved it for the athletic part because, you know, I think our family naturally gravitated towards wrestling because we were all, you know, our our father wrestled and mm-hmm. um, it, we were just naturally, not sound, you know, full of ourselves, but no. we were naturally athletic when it came to wrestling and you know, I loved the fact that we would push each other because I knew, you know, I had that mindset that it was getting me better. And it, it, it stunk at times, like, yeah, absolutely. getting your butt kicked. But uh, yeah, I hated it when it came to grades and academics <laughs> because he would go, my parents would go to the parent-teacher conferences and, you know, yeah. he'd get, he was at a 4.02 or something. And, right. you know, then there's me. And I'm, I mean, I was at like a 3.3, but that doesn't. Yeah, Even it's not that's bad. Good, but right, but it's know. not four point oh. No, it's not. Yeah. Were you known as? Uh, I'm sorry. What was your brother's name? Justin. Justin. Yes. Okay. So your brother's name is Justin. So you were known as Justin's little brother, a um, little bit or not? Well, because we have one older brother too. Um, we have okay. an older brother named Josh, and okay. then we I have an even younger brother named Jonah, and then a sister named Anna. So, um, okay. Josh was he? Uh, like I said, he was the oldest. So we were all kind of. He went up through the Hudsonville wrestling program before us and we were kind of all so Justin was little Zim and I was little little Zim so it kind of went that way little um, Zim yeah so how was it okay being called little Zim were you cool with that or yeah it, it was kind of like a rite to passage like you feel you know they're like oh yeah these older guys are are at least acknowledging you and you feel you know you've watched okay. these guys wrestle and they're like they're like this huge deal to you so as as you get older, obviously, when you're younger, there's a lot of you're being contentious, especially as you're going through the teenage years. There's the conflict as you're trying to establish who you guys are. Talk to me about the type of man that uh, that Justin, you saw him becoming. Because when you start to get up into your upper teens and 20s, some of that contentiousness goes away, and you start to create this bond as some of the fighting stops, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about who is who is Justin? What type of person? He was one of the nicest guys you could ever meet, and at the same time, one of the most, uh, i got to think of an appropriate word, uh, he'd be one of the just, like, meanest people, like, not, not, but if you, if you cross a line or something, he was just so bold, and, you know, he would, he wouldn't back down from anything. So what type of, in what ways would he become bold? What would he, where, like, what type of things would he stand up and go, no, you've crossed a line? He didn't like seeing people mistreated. Okay. Um, he didn't like people talking bad about his family. Very loyal and very yeah, much yeah. looking yep. out for the underdog. Yeah. yeah, and so he always looked out for. He was he was a giver. I think he struggled when he saw you know the, all the bad and pain in the world that really that affected him uh, in a lot of ways. But I think he was he was a uh, you know it's hard because he was such a good person. Mm-hmm. And he was at that that point where he was really making, you know, he's starting to cut some of those things out of his life that were bringing him down. Right. And he was getting to this point where, like, my parents and you know myself and our everyone else in our family, they saw so much potential in him that, you know, he he had such talent. I mean, growing up his entire life, and then right. he was just on the verge of just, you know, really getting out of that hole he was in, and just making a big change in his life. So. So you have this older brother that you you kind of idolize. Would that be? Would you say that's accurate? In many ways, yes. But in some ways, we could resent each other. I oh guess. yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. I, I looked up to him a lot, but he was very, very hard on me. So th- I'll ask you this, and this will tie into the last thing I wanted to ask this too. So in what ways, when he you crossed the line with him, how did he respond, and in what ways was he tough on you? Because I think those two probably <laughs> tie together. When we were younger, this is kind of a funny story. When we were younger, I actually beat him in a wrestling match. Oh boy! Um, it was freestyle, and the entire leading up to the match, I didn't want to wrestle him, and 
I was like crying, and I was telling my dad, "I'm not going to wrestle. I'm not going to wrestle." This is a competition, right? Competition. And okay, I, this isn't just messing around. No, this is a tournament for, okay. for a medal. All right. And uh, I kept saying I'm not going to do it, so my brother wasn't even getting warmed up. And then the last second, I'm like, "All right, fine." You know, my dad talked us in. So my dad's coaching. I think my brother and my mom's coaching me, <laughs> and we go out there, and he just tries to bull rush me because he wants to show that he is dominant. Yeah, sure. And, uh, Alpha male, right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I toss him. If you don't know wrestling, I, just, I don't. I, I pretty much threw him from his feet to his back. How did that feel? Um, great. Was that like one of the best <laughs> athletic moments it of was, your life? It was a high point. It's been downhill from there. And that was, that <laughs> you like, peaked in that, that was, moment. That you was peaked. fourth grade, I think. All right. But uh, I'll let you wrestle me later, and you can have another high point. Just but uh, he got up and he tried it again, and I threw him again, and then on the third time he charged me again, and I tossed him and I pinned him. So you win um, yeah. in wrestling. That's a win. Pin is a win, right? Yes, All and. Right. About a week later, um, we were arguing at the house because you know tensions were high, and <laughs> so it took. A, so after that happened, tensions are high for a couple weeks because of that. Oh yeah, until we got to wrestle again. Oh um, really? All right, because he had to win and yeah. reestablish Dom. Okay, so, sure. But I mean, after that match, my mom's crying, my dad's crying, and oh, we're Ju- Justin and I are we're crying on the mat, and uh, <laughs> and about a week later, we're fighting, and then I just leave the room for some stupid reason. And I come back and I show the medal to him. Oh no, you did not! <gasps> and, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. And he took my head and stomped me in the carpet. He, like, he, what do you mean he stomped? Like, you oh, know, his like foot? A curb stomp? But no, on carpet. He just start. Yeah, he started kicking me in the head. What's a? Uh, go ahead, grab Chad. Do a curb stomp because no, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> What's a curb stomp? Do you know what a curb stomp is? It's yeah, it's it's pretty. Well, I know graphic. you know. Yeah. Do you know what a curb stomp is? What's is that it? appropriate on the show? Well, I mean, you don't have to go crazy, uh, yeah. but I mean, so he 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 held he pretty much just started kicking me in the head, and there's this trail of blood Dang. going from the room to the bathroom. Was it on tile or carpet? Carpet. Okay. And I look at my dad. I'm crying. I'm like, Dad, look what he did. And my dad looks at me. He goes, That's what you get. <laughs> he goes, maybe you won't be so cocky next time. Boom. Um, dad drops the mic. Oh yeah. You know where I learned the term per- curb stomp from? I want to know. From my oldest son. There you go. We have Carol's uh, two of her other sons here. You guys know the curb stomp term? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know. And and I'm looking over at Ian a few times when you're talking here, and I see him nodding. Did you get curb stomp? some of these feelings. Did Alex curb stomp you? He's threatened. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's hardcore. So how would he respond? That's a great story, though. But, <laughs> yeah, it felt great. <laughs> I, well, parts of it did and parts of it didn't, right? Would you take that back if you could? Showing him the medal, or has that just become like so part of no family lore? That's, that's yeah. just kind of how we were, you know. Like, so it was cool. It's like you don't regret doing that. No, I mean it was a good story. Well, I mean hindsight, you know. Well, yeah, but you but, learned something. You yeah. did learn something, right? <laughs> I mean, I would think. <laughs> yeah, run. Has anyone else in the room been curb stomped? Because I haven't. No, no. Carol, have you been curb stomped? <laughs> no, Andrew, unfortunately yeah. not. You saw it on TV, which is pretty much the same thing. How would he confront people who cross the line with him? Like you said, he sees someone getting bullied. He sees something happening. Someone's being disloyal or disrespectful to the family. What does Justin do? He would just walk right up to him and call him out on it. So he's just not afraid. Just, yeah, just walk right up to him. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to use some of, the, well, say, no. some of the things he'd say. But, but yeah, he just he was bold. Like, he wasn't, he didn't fear just confronting people and telling them like hey that's my family or hey what you're doing is wrong what was what would you say is the number one thing you respected about justin i mean his foot because no (laughs) (laughs) because you got to know how close and personal no i i always respected his his loyalty to you know he he didn't talk bad behind people's back Hmm. at least you know from from my experiences, he wouldn't talk bad about people. Right. Um, he, if he had something to say, he'd talk to someone, you know, to their face. So whether it was one of his best friends, he would just walk right up to him and say, "Hey, this is, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's bugging me." And, in what way do you think you're like him now? Um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, at least the the good parts of me now that I've, you know, cut some of those other things out of my life. Yeah. Um, that we may get into, but we will. <laughs> sure, we will. <laughs> Um, but I'd say a lot of, you know, and as I'm getting older too, a lot of that boldness, that's something I am kind of consciously trying to work on too. Sure. Just being bold with people and being bold in my faith and being bold, 
uh, in general, especially in this world, I think it gets people a lot of places. And also a lot of, you know, work ethic mm-hmm. and stuff like that just from, you know, everyday practice sessions and getting my butt kicked and humility from every time I'd yeah. speak up, I'd get humbled. But Yeah. So you, you, you opened the door for me or you at least cracked it, so I'm going to walk into it. Do your thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, because you watched Justin start to go, because you said at the end, before, you know, what mm-hmm. happened happened, yes. you said you were starting to get some things out of his life that were pulling him down. So let's talk a little about, about the descent into the okay. hole and some of the things that he did that got him further down in the hole and what he did during that time period. And how you followed, I think, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a lot. So of- talk to me about that. Um, well, so... Our, I'll just say our family in general, we didn't, I, we grew up, our parents didn't have alcohol in the house at all. So we never really had a taste of, you know, seeing right. what it, how it could affect people. Uh, my father actually lost his brother in a drinking and driving accident. Okay. Um, I think when his brother was 22 also. So, but we, uh, we didn't see a lot of that. So growing up and being involved in sports, you know, you don't want to get in trouble so it was motivation not to drink in high school. Um, right. So you so, stayed pretty clean. Yeah, we partying all, in high we school. All, we never touched it until after high school. So what happened? Um, what happened? He committed to a different college um, in Illinois, uh, just a small private school, and then last minute he decided to go to Mount Pleasant to to uh, Central Michigan. Yep. And while he was there, he got involved in partying, just being around, you know, the just that college atmosphere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the summer before even he started getting into it with some of his friends. Um, Did you notice this happening? I didn't see a lot of it okay. um, until he he went to college and his GPA dropped from 4.0 something in high school. It dropped to 2.3, some, mm. something like that. Um, he ended up dropping out after... The first semester, I think they do semesters there. So okay, it was after that first semester he ended up dropping out and moving back home, and that's when I saw a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. So what did you see? He comes home, and what do you see? Um, just he was just a lot different. You know, you could tell he was just not that same motivation. Um, kind of just that glazed over look. You know, when he's just not with it all the time. Um, did you try talking to him about it or? I did. I did more because um, I kind of went down that road with him for a while, too. Okay. So when I, for a while, he kind of, you know, he would pressure me a little bit. And he was, you know, he was still this idol in my mind. So sure. he was cool. And then as soon as I got done with high school, I started drinking and uh, starting to get into that. But it wasn't until I, it was a couple years later that I actually talked to him. And every time I'd see him, I was like, hey, you know, you're cutting back on you know, weed, are you cutting back on alcohol? Are you, and he would, you know, and they say, you know, the later I found out when I was talking to a therapist, he's like, you know, whenever you're dealing with a, uh, some type of alcoholic or drug addict, always double whatever they say, double or triple whatever they tell you. Mm -hmm. Sure. So in that, you said you started to go down the same path a little bit, partly influenced, I think, because he was doing some of the stuff too. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, being in our family, our oldest brother was very, he, you know, he stayed on a very straight, narrow path. He knew where he was going into college, his, uh, what his major was going to be. And then, you know, I never wanted to be like the first, you never want to be like that black sheep that is the first one to do (laughs) something. Um, so once he kind of broke that, it was very easy to follow Uh because it was like, all right, he already did this. So it's very easy to go down that same path, especially, you know, when, we pretty much did everything together beforehand. Right. So once he moved back home, it got really easy to, when I was hanging out with him, I'm not, in, you know, we're, we're out at different places around, you know, just different, different atmospheres. So, so what, so he, he, he comes home, you notice something's wrong. There's this glazed look in his eye and where does it go from there? He goes back to school then. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, he was at central and then he ended up moving home. He worked for a while and, kind of started getting his money, paying off, you know, some of those loans because the loans started up the mm-hmm. yeah. as soon as he dropped out. So he was paying that off, and he ended up the next uh, 
uh, fall, he went to that school he was originally going to um, to go wrestle. Okay. So that one in uh, Illinois. And he got back in shape. I'm sure he was still partying and stuff, but he was on the wrestling team, and it kind of gave him that purpose again. Right. Um, got back in shape. He was you know, part of a team, part of something. And then his very first match, he tore his labrum. And oh. after oh, all that man. hard work, getting back in shape and stuff, it just it put him out. He had to get mm. surgery. Um, you know, obviously, he had to get on some type of pain medication. What's labrum? It's that top part of your, uh, the back part of your shoulder. It's labrum, uh, kind of in that rotator cuff area. Mm. So it's his shoulder. It's a uh, mm-hmm. common tear in wrestling. Sure. Okay. Uh, so he tears. So then what happens? He tears, he gets surgery. He's on painkillers. So he ended up, um, I think he was there. He was there. I think he ended up moving home and going to Grand Valley. Okay. Um, he transferred cause he wasn't wrestling anymore. So, and that school was pretty expensive being a private school. Um, so he ended up transferring to, tr- to Grand Valley and to finish off that year. And that was the same time I moved home. And him and I got into a lot of partying that summer. We were out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, Saturday night, yeah. almost every week. Um, so I did a lot of drinking. And at the end of that summer, I actually ended up getting in trouble. Um, I got in a fight and ended up having assault charges pressed on me. Oh, boy. Did you spend the uh, night in the clinker? No, I didn't. It wasn't until a couple of weeks later that the cops actually um, showed up at our house. And uh, gave my younger brother a warrant for my arrest. (laughs) Well, it ended up being my dad. He called me, and I was actually working with him at the time, and he called me into his office and told me. um, So I was the first person to ever have that in our family. Yay! How about that? (laughs) They loved it, but... Now, did you go spend any time in jail after that? I did not. I had to pay a fine, and I ended up being on probation for a little under a year, which was, I mean, I look back at that, and even though I don't agree with... Um, the Some charges the process, and how, it, yeah. how it went down. Yeah. You know, I look back at that, and that was the road I was going down. If it wasn't that, it would have been something else. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. I can look back and say, you know, that was that two thousand dollars or whatever I spent on fines, and that year of probation was like the best thing. You know, to help get me out of that. Did um, you did you curb stomp the guy? No, I didn't. Okay. I just probably I'd, I'd, I'd probably be in jail. I don't know if that if came I, back or not. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. All right. So then, what happened with your brother? So. I ended up going, being on probation, and then he finished the summer off in the area and ended up going back to that original college again. Back in Illinois. Yep. For, and, was uh, he going to wrestle again now that he was healed? Or he was, was he... healed. I don't, I don't think he ended up wrestling. He was working there and just going to school. And I think that's where he really started to develop uh, an alcohol and drug problem. Well, I, I don't know the extent of what he was, you know, the drug side of it. Okay. Um, I know he smoked a lot of weed and some of that uh, synthetic stuff mm-hmm. okay okay so that's uh he was back there but he was going to school and wasn't really there for like a reason though he didn't know what he was going for classes um he wasn't there for sports which is i mean speaking from me personally uh, when i stopped wrestling that was a big change in my life so you know i can relate to him on that um it sounds like he might have sort of lost a sense of purpose yeah because yeah. he didn't have yeah something to study he didn't have the sports yeah i yeah i didn't know what he was doing with his life and i I just think he kind of felt lost with where he was at um and then i know that's the point i know he had you know he had partied a lot but you know any college kid will say yeah everyone parties sure but it got to a point where that mid-semester break that christmas break he actually called my parents and said that he he asked them if they could drive down uh get all his stuff and then pick him up and bring him home. He, he dropped out of college and he admitted to them and told them that he was struggling with alcohol. He was drinking on his own a lot, just sitting in his dorm room drinking. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I mean, that, that sounds terrible, but at the same time for him to actually call my parents and admit well, that's that, huge. you know, you, you feel like he, that's a, that's a cry for help and, yeah. and he's reaching out and kind of a step in that right direction. So he goes to college, and he's at uh, Central Michigan. Kind of gets yeah. it's introduced to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, yeah. He originally went to Central, and then he was at uh, it was actually called North Central, but he was there for a while. So yeah, he's kind of getting introduced to this stuff. It's fun. It's really not a problem. This is like, hey, this is what college kids yeah, do. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he has this 
this injury loses purpose in life, and now alcohol becomes this addiction and a crutch. Yeah, over the course of from the time he was 18, graduating, you know, with uh, different circumstances, with sports and stuff like that, up until about that uh, 21 age, um, that's when it really started developing into a problem. Right. And he moved back home, and that's kind of where we, you know, where his uh, where our parents went and picked him up. Okay, so he's back at home now, and how are you responding to all this during this time? This is, you know, older brother, the one you're closest to. Yeah, yeah. I was actually back away from home, so I had gotten off probation in that time, and I moved to St. Joe just to kind of get away. Um, I didn't, being off probation was good for me because it gave me an excuse when people would invite me places, and I was like, nope, I can't go there, I don't want to go to the bar, I don't want to go drink. Um, But then once probation was off, people knew that, and I liked the direction, and I liked how I felt. Um, so I just I picked up, and I just got out of Hudsonville. I felt like I was kind of trapped there anyway for a year. And uh, so I was actually in St. Joe doing construction hmm. um, at the time. And when I heard that he had moved home, uh, I was actually really happy. I mean, cause, because of the circumstances that he, you know, he called my parents and, right. and asked for help. And it, it just seemed, you know, like he was heading in that right direction. Like he had finally hit a point where he looked in the mirror and was like i don't like where my life is headed you know and but but he actually like verbally told my parents that he was struggling with alcohol and so he did this course correction it looks like everything's starting to go back it's heading in the right direction he'd been down at the hole he's starting to climb back up when was this as far as this was you said about two years ago this okay so he had moved home he uh we got news that he took his life in march of 2014 so okay it would have been that Christmas time before there, so so end of All 2013, right. early 2014. So you probably had a pretty good Christmas together, right, for the yeah, family? Yeah, um, he he was very, he was a lot, kind of like our his old um, his old self. He was a lot around the family, a right. lot more. wasn't always gone with friends. Okay, he seemed like he was kind of more with it, and you know, just his eyes seemed clear, and he you could carry out a conversation with him more. wasn't just taken off at like one in the morning to go hang out with friends and stuff so right was he still living at home he was yep he was back at home and he was uh he was actually working back at that same factory that he was at the first time when he moved from central just to get back on his feet yeah um and he was having ideas about starting his own business or um he really he was very talented with music too so he was starting to make mixes and uh do that kind of stuff on the on his computer and stuff like that so you know he was just he was finding productive things to put his time into instead of being out all the time so and then you say and you've said that a couple times which i think is interesting you say when we received news let's go there now and let's talk about what happened so you've said this a couple times in the podcast already and you i thought it was interesting the way you worded it because you said when we received news that he had taken his life i think it's interesting that you use those words and every time you mention it you use those specific words and I don't know. I, all I know is that your your brother took his life. So, yeah. Tell well, us tell us what happened. I mean, I was actually living away from the living away from home at that time. Yeah. And uh, were you still in St. Joe then? Or yeah, yeah. I was okay. still in St. Joe, um, and I was actually working for my cousin's husband. So I mean, it would be a cousin, and I was working doing that construction there. And I had just gotten home from the gym. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like eight nine at night so it was a very random time and i saw that i had i had a missed call from my boss and so i call him back and he just you know something just when you can tell something seems a little off right so he asked me if i could come to his house oh boy and help him move a couch or something just something random because i went there every morning anyway before work right so i'm like what all right whatever you know maybe he just wants to hang out for a little bit right um and I just I drove there and I just kind of knew something had happened. I don't know how you explain it, yeah. but I just I drove there and I walked in the door and I just was like I felt like I was acting like over. He has two dogs, and uh, I was like overexcited to see the dogs and like mm-hmm. as soon as I looked up at him, you could just tell like he was you know he he didn't know what to say to me. Then my cousin came in and she that's where they told me um, that he had taken his life out by our old house. And I mean, you know, you just get hit with, I, I don't know. I just remember just like 
my knees just went weak and you just drop. Did you, like, you just drop I just dropped on the knees? floor and and then I was followed by just anger. Just I mm. I was ready to just you know, I was hitting things outside. You know, you just yeah. you just don't know how to react to it. Just I just of remember course. I just went flush, like I just went pale. We found out well, I found out that way and you know, with my older brother oldest brother living in another part of the state, he found out over the phone. Mm. I don't know, I just I Maybe I just use those words because, like, that's just that night just stands out. Absolutely. You know, just, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It's just, you know, maybe I associate news with bad because that's the, <sighs> the news always posts bad stuff. So I know this is difficult to talk about, but I mean, how hard is it to go back and kind of know that you're going to talk about this tonight on this podcast? How hard is that? Is it difficult? Um, it's it's different because I don't. You know, it's not something I don't try to relive those nights. When I look back, I mean, even that night, from that night till about a year and a half later, was just my I can't remember much of my life. It was just it was kind of a blur. Survival um, mode. Yeah, you just you mm-hmm. just kind of just turn everything off. Um, I don't ever mean to be insensitive, but I, I try to ask questions. And my natural yeah, yeah, curiosity yeah. is, you know, what did he do? How did he take his life? Um, he actually, I'm not exactly sure which order he did it, but okay. He actually hung himself, but they found him with a bottle of NyQuil, too. Okay. So they kind of came to the conclusion that he probably drank and, like, knocked himself out or OD'd um, on different drugs and a mix of, you know, drinks and stuff. Right. Um, before he did that. So Okay. But, yeah, I try not to. That's one of those things well, I, I try know. not to. Yeah. And I didn't <laughs> want to be too. That's like I said beforehand. I'm going to ask really no, 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 no. questions. And, I mean, uh, I think it's important to talk about because there's a lot of depression and it's kind of a taboo topic that, especially in this world that people don't, they don't want to talk about because they, when you're depressed, you feel alone. Yeah. So, you know, if you feel alone, you feel like, like no one's there. So no one else can understand that, which, you know, I didn't learn until after, but one in four people deal with depression either. Yeah, those are the ones that are admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that affects them or that they know of someone who has either taken their life or struggles with severe depression. So one other, I think kind of a tough question for me is uh, like, well, who found, who found Justin? My parents actually, it was, it was kind of crazy because it's weird to talk about God at uh when you're talking Absolutely. about something like this. Yeah. It seems incongruous really. It's like, well, yeah. 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 But you talk about God having his hand in a circumstance or over a situation and that whole night God, truly had his hand over our family i think my younger sister got home and there was actually like a squirrel in our house just running <laughs> running around in our house it was, it was a squirrel or, or a bird or something and she was distracted to the point where she didn't see that my brother had left a note oh, and oh he did leave a note that he was, left he left a note about that it wasn't like a descriptive note it was more of like a a weird riddle mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he was very smart so he had to he had to come up with a riddle for his um, note. But, the last thing he said. Yeah. So my parents actually found that. And oh. it was wow. it was like a, a hangman figure, stick figure. You know that game you play yeah. in mm-hmm. like elementary school for some weird reason? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's just a little macabre <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. They actually found that and their first reaction, because we used to live in a woods that had like 12, 13 acres. Our old house had like 12 acres of woods. So they saw that, and they immediately drove to our old house, um, and they actually saw his car parked by. We were out oh, in the yeah. in Forest Grove area, so a lot of farm, a uh, lot of fields and right. woods and stuff. So they saw his car. There was still a little bit of snow on the ground. Um, it was after a fresh snow, and they actually followed his tracks out to a spot where we used to paintball all the time, and they they found found his tracks. And when they got there, and this is another way, like God just. He was watching over them. They got there, and uh, they the tracks disappeared. He wasn't he wasn't there, and the tracks disappeared. What? Um, so they had called the cops beforehand, and oh, uh, oh good, okay. Good. The the cops actually asked the cops asked my father to you know to stay where he's at, and he couldn't, but they just stopped. And the tracks were there, and then the cops showed up, and the cops actually found him in a different woods, um, which was, you know, even the cops and the therapists and stuff told us that 
I feel bad. I feel no, bad no. Okay, so so we're not going to um, edit this part out. I don't. You don't yeah, have yeah. to edit this out. Um, Carol's crying. Yeah. Um, and you feel bad that she's crying, which is interesting. <laughs> but no, explain, Carol. It's okay. So depression runs in my family, yeah. and our first podcasts were actually about <laughs> my struggle with depression. Yeah. But my oldest son also has clinical depression, and has since he was a very young child, and. I hear a lot of similarities in your story with with his story. And he also got into trouble with, with drugs and alcohol, more drugs than alcohol. And um, he has recently come back to his faith in God and is starting to clean up his life. But for so long, for so many years, I can remember sitting and holding him and talking him out of committing suicide. And what you're describing is like my worst nightmare. And I can't imagine what your parents went through. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't, it's different, you know, being a sibling. Sure. Brother. Absolutely, of course. You know, I can't, I can't put myself in their shoes either because no. I don't, it's, and it's you don't need a, you don't need to. Yeah. No. Um, I'm curious about how you felt and how. So you you so did you have more of that story? The tracks well, stopped. Yeah, yeah. Did the the did the police move him then or no they, no? You, so so uh, how did the tracks just stop? We, no idea. They they found his tracks going all the way out to the woods, and he was he wasn't there. They expected you know to look up or yeah, something sure. and see yeah, something so bad. Weird. And he was just they weren't there. And then. At that time, the cops got there and followed followed out, and then the cops made my parents stay. Yeah, um, of course. And the tracks picked up, like, I don't know how far away, but they picked up, and it led, like, a quarter mile down across the field, and that's where they found him. I mean, it's a, ter- like, it's a terrible story, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's I don't know, if, you know how my parents... Yeah. They're, losing us on it but yeah. seeing it you know right so yeah you can it's see. the mercy that the track stopped yeah, it's, it's, and they didn't follow like, them they didn't see him yeah yeah like people Absolutely. you know people and i'm grateful that people show share so much sympathy right when i tell my story or when i talk to them about it but you know at the same time people don't realize all the blessings that happened mm-hmm. during it and all the things that have happened from it too um Right, because people are. We have a tendency to look at the the, the horrible thing that happened yeah. here, and we can't look past or beyond that. But I think when you're in the midst of the situation, you have to see the grace involved, or yeah. it will drive you. It'll drive you mad. Yeah, just here, even talking about this because we don't, you know, we don't talk. That's not a story you talk no. about much, but yeah, um, you know, talking about it even now though, it's like, especially where my faith is at, and my, you know, my faith is growing, and that was, I had, I had this chip on my shoulder towards god for so long after that so we're talking about finding the grace in in the yeah, tragedy yeah. so you don't go insane i mean you know just so many different things when you look back just at that night alone but also just things that have happened since then um, I, I do have this question about the note this riddle did you solve the riddle or are you still like i don't know what he's talking about no no they they solved it it was i mean it was a hangman and that it was it was something like i hanged myself or i hung myself whatever what what I, he actually used proper grammar okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know this okay so th- this is kind of like a as a side note but him and i being brothers and we were always the same size growing up yeah i was the kid that always wanted like i wanted to get new clothes for my birthday at least because yeah. it was always hand-me-downs because we were always the same size <laughs> right, sure so i'd spend my birthday money getting getting new clothes for the school year and he would always take my clothes it was crazy because for his uh, for his funeral, we had to find something nice for him to be buried in because um, right, it, it was you know it was an open casket and right. <laughs> my my younger brother Jonah went into the closet, but at the time it was the coat that I brought home for the funeral. Well, and they actually took one of my nice like North Face coats, and that's what he was. So I'm like, you know, you got one more of my piece one of more, all right, buddy. <laughs> you got one more with you. Come on, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> Yeah, just, I mean, going back, just God did have his hand on so many different things. Jared, let me ask you this. How can you have faith in God through this? I mean, your brother kills himself. What happened that your faith is now strengthened 
So I, I turned to alcohol big time right away. Sure. Um, I was, I was drinking a lot. And then that, especially on the weekends, I was doing a lot of binge drinking. I wasn't sleeping at night and I was working the day after his funeral. I actually drove back up to uh, St. Joe to start working. I just wanted to, I thought I could work through it. Didn't need God, didn't need my family. Mm -hmm. I started working 60, 70 hour weeks in construction. I was working out every single night. Um, and then on top of that, I didn't, I barely slept because every time I went to bed, I started having nightmares. Mm -hmm. And even worse, I had good dreams where I actually was spending time with him. And those were, I'd prefer the nightmares over those. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, you wake up, you you have a vivid dream. It's like losing him all over again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But nightmares, like, so I started, you know, I was drinking a lot. And, you know, we grew up with strong faith, our parents, um, we were always in church and stuff. So it was like I had this battle going on with God for that. It was about a seven month period where I was just kind of going downhill, just out of control. Right. And there were nights where I would like pray, you know, cause you're, it's like, it's been a part of my life. I still believed in God. You can't just ditch it completely. Yeah. This and, quiet moment, no one else is paying attention. Yeah. Like just shoot a prayer up and maybe see what happens. Well, it was like, but there were nights where I was like, I'm like cursing him out in my head. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm blaming him, but at the same time, I know it's not his fault. Sure. So there's like this this battle going mm-hmm. on, and it's just wearing me down and everything else. And then, then on the weekends, you know, I'm starting to drink, well, heavily. And then that led to weekdays. I'm taking every every night I was taking sleeping pills to get to bed mm-hmm. and then waking up right. with pills that give me energy. And it was about seven months after I was really struggling with depression almost every day on the way to work, we had about a 20 minute drive every day. And I was just, I was looking for a tree to just like do the same mm-hmm. to just be not, no, not, no, just to drive off. I just wanted to close my eyes. Yeah. And I was like, there were times I was praying that a semi would just mm-hmm. like hit you, me. You wanted to die. I just, I just wanted to be done. And, uh, there was a weekend where I was kind of at that point. I went to Mount Pleasant and you know, we were, we were partying. So it would start off, you know, you're having fun for like an hour and then you start crying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we started at like, you know, nine, 10 at night. And then it was, everyone had gone to bed. It was probably seven in the morning and I was still up drinking. Yeah. I have no idea, honestly, how I was still conscious. The you're hardcore, dedicated. <laughs> wow. I was, yeah. I, I know how to party. There you go. Another talent. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, I was up till about seven in the morning. It was light out and people were in bed and I was still crying and drinking. And I just, Mm -hmm. I remember going into, going into the bathroom. Um, cause after you drink that much, you gotta pee. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotta go somewhere. (laughs) I remember going into the bathroom and then just, you know, when you just look in the mirror, if you've ever been kind of drunk, you kind of just get that hazy, you look in the mirror and like you kind of reevaluate where your life is headed. Um, and I just looked at myself and I heard this voice Mm. that was just, I just heard someone say that you're next. Like oh. you're you're going to be dead wow. soon if you don't change something. I don't know if it was me talking to myself or if it, you know, if it was God just like, like I'm getting goosebumps, but Yeah, me too. If it was God just kind of coming over and putting his hand on me and like, "Hey, you're here for a purpose." You know, and in my whole life, that's a, that's another story, but I was I was actually when I was in my mom's stomach still, my heart was beating twice as fast as it should have been. They had to do like all this experimental medication. And on like the last wow. day, yeah, on the, like the last day that my heart would have given out, it actually slowed down. So like I grew up like my parents telling me like there's a purpose for You're your life. You're the miracle baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a, mm-hmm. or a mistake. What my younger brother said. So. <laughs> <laughs> but and that was uh, only after you curb stomped him. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard this voice, and it was just like you're next. It wasn't fear of dying. Like I got to that point where you just don't fear mm-hmm. dying, and you, you don't really. I saw you know firsthand. I saw the effects of what it played on my family um how it affected my parents how it affected myself and my brothers and my sister and his friends and just the turnout that came to his visitation his funeral was was incredible it was insane and i saw that and i just even though i was at a point where i didn't want to i felt like i was at rock bottom and i didn't want to continue you know or i had those moments of depression where i felt like that yeah i couldn't imagine doing that to my family Mm. at that Point, that's what kept me going I couldn't be that one and I and I knew I had to dig myself out of it so after that it was a month until I drank again and then wow. after that it was like another month until I drank again and then it just it slowly kind of faded out of my life and you know I started I found this passion for because fitness was still a part of my life I was still working out to blow off steam right but 
fitness turned into a passion. And, you know, I started cutting alcohol out because of the depression and stuff like that. But I also started cutting it out because of the negative effects Mm -hmm. on my body and how I wanted to start improving my health. And then, you know, fast forward, I mean, it took, I was still battling with God for even after I had sobered up and was completely done. I was battling with God, didn't want to go to church. So what was the turning point there? Where where did you come and go? Because you said now your faith is growing. You say, identify, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. What what was the turning point there? Or was it just a very gradual process? I think when that morning when I was looking in the mirror and I heard that voice, that, you know, that was God. Like that was that was him telling me that there's a purpose for you and I kept you alive when you were a baby for a reason. Right. Don't you stop on me now. Mm-hmm. Like you're here for a reason. And I think it just took some convincing. It just took a while. I just, I've always been stubborn. So <laughs> anything specific that convinced you? I had moved home. Um, after that, after that happened, I, I moved home. Um, I did, I got therapy. I decided to kind of let my guard down, let my pride down. Uh, started, you know, I was sober, not taking sleeping pills, starting to go out more. I was working out at the gym around my house now, the one that I'm actually working at now. So, right. um, and there was a guy there that, you know, I would, I would go in there with my headphones on and just work out and just, I was yeah. still, it was therapy for me. Sure. And, uh, there's this guy that would come in almost every day. I'd see him almost every day and every day just, just, Hey, how are you doing? God bless you. God loves you. And I'm like, Dude, you're weird. Get away from me. <laughs> love, love you, Rick. But. And he is kind of weird, but he is awesome. <laughs> but but he was just so. It was it was how he treated me and how he treated other people. How how just real and and selfless and and genuine he was. But it was also he had that just light in his eyes that you just know he's living for a greater purpose. Yeah. And I had that. I had a wrestling coach. I, I've been blessed with good Christian wrestling coaches and just strong men of faith. But I had I had a wrestling coach that was the same way. He was just intimidating by just he carried this faith with him that was just so strong, and uh, I did I, you know I saw the same thing in Rick and I I kind of got to know him more and he just he kept just chiseling away at me just like every day just hey how you doing you know how was your weekend did you feel blessed today I'm like no no not really but thanks <laughs> not for really asking. man but yeah so it was just kind of a gradual thing and then we got to talking and I found out that he had been like 12 years sober and oh wow you know i i just opened up to him just ran. he invited me to bible study and i saw a group of guys that were taking time out of their monday night to talk about god and their faith and stuff and i'm like i'm in do you still wrestle with god sometimes about this or you kind of have resolved it with him i wouldn't say it's with with god it's it's because of you know i hit this point where i was doing all these things I had moved home, gotten sober, therapy, you know, et cetera. And I kind of hit this point, though, where I was like, why am I eating good? Why am I working out every day? Why am I doing this? Like, right. okay, what's the point? Right. I, I wasn't close with God yet. I was still working on that, but yeah. I was just struggling, and I just, I was working out, and I was just having one of those days where you're feeling self, self-pity, and, you know, you just want to feel sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had this, something came over me again, like the same same when I was working out or when I was in the, uh, that bathroom and I was, right. you know, heard that voice, the same thing when I'm working out and just, it was so clear what I had to do. And it was the idea that if I could take, you know, my story and share it and use faith and fitness to inspire people. That was about a year before we actually came up with that, the yeah. inspire one fit the, yeah. before we got the business plan going and stuff, but it just hit me. And there's just been this fire that's, that was lit. And I just, it just keeps growing with fitness. Like, the passion from there, but also with faith too, trying to grow in that and just that's where it hit. And we got to get close to wrapping up here. We're getting long on time. I want you to address our listeners. And honestly, we don't have a lot of listeners to our podcast right now. We're still kind of a baby podcast. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I We're, like your, I like your confidence. Not if, but when. That's right. So when it happens, we don't have any idea how many people this is going to reach. I'm always a big believer, and Carol helps me with this, is that we don't care how many people. We shouldn't care how many. We, we want to make sure that the right ones listen. Yeah. So I am, I'm positive that there are some right ones listening right now, and you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Um, where you have been, where your brother was. Um, I want you to speak to those people right now for a couple minutes. Okay, so just speaking from some of the things that I dealt with. Yeah, um, someone who's actually in, in, in depression right now. When, when I... Contemplating suicide, what would, what would you have to say to them right now to help them? Just from a personal standpoint, 
don't don't feed into what society tells you and where society tells you you have to be. I think the biggest thing my brother and myself, you know, I struggled with, and I still have days where I struggle with, is is feeling like you have to be married and have a job and be graduated and have everything figured out. And then another thing is, you know, especially for me, when I started spiraling into depression, after my brother had taken his life, trying to figure out why caused mm-hmm. me to get depressed. And I'll tell you why. It's because he... You know, when when I would look at it, I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, was it the alcohol? And I'm like, oh well, well I drink, so maybe I should be depressed, or maybe he was depressed because he doesn't have a girlfriend or he's not in love. And at the time, I was single, so you know, or maybe he's depressed because he's not done with school or he doesn't know where. To, you know, what I mean, you start to right. you start to question everything, and then you can mm-hmm. you can try to connect. So it's like you're almost trying to to you send your mind down that negative path, and. The same way we talk about, I was talking about that domino effect with Inspire One where you want it to be good. Like, yeah, it's the same thing with negativity. It's like, you know, my, my girlfriend's mom, she actually made this, uh, she made this connection. She, she said the, that depression is like the devil sticking an IV into your arm. Mm. <laughs> you know how they, they drip that uh, morphine into your yeah. like pa- hospital patients? Yeah. She said that it's just, it starts off slow yep. and it gets a small grip of you. And it just eventually takes over your entire body. But it's, so, it's that one drip at a time that hmm. eventually takes over your life and still just starts to spiral you down. So and it'll take as much of you as you'll give it. Yeah, it will. And it's and it's hard when you when you start to fight, you know, for your life back. It, it's hard, but it's a fight. It's a fight. It is you, a fight. I mean, I was, you know, speaking personally, I was. I felt like I was in a battle. You know, I, I'd grown up in sports and wrestled, and I did a little bit of MMA and stuff. But I felt like I was fighting truly clawing for my life at times and but it's because i decided that i wanted to live that life was more important than death so that's the that's the hope so the people who are going through that fight right now that's what your that's what your message to them is the one thing if i could say to my brother i would Hmm. i wish he could have seen his funeral before he took his life Hmm. because to see the number of people and i mean like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To to see the number of people that turned out and that loved him, and that he impacted, and that he impacted, and that 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 wanted the best for him. I think if he would have seen that, he wouldn't have gone that direction. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're if you're out there, you know, speaking directly to whoever's listening to this, if you're out there, you feel you know, I've been there. I know my brother was there, and suicide is not a selfish act. It took me a while to learn about that, but it's not a selfish act. I know you're not doing it. You're doing it because you feel like you're, you know, you're a burden Mm -hmm. or you feel like you're alone or you're hindering, but you're not. And there's people out there. It might just be one person, but there's, there's people out there that want you to pull through and they want, they need you in their life Mm -hmm. and they love you and they would do anything to hold on to you and make sure you're okay. And we we oh you would probably agree with this, Jared. I know you will. Is that we vastly underestimate the amount of people we impact mm-hmm. in our lives? Oh, without a doubt, it was. I mean, I I look back at his funeral, and I, there were there were hundreds of people that I never even met in my life before that that had somehow known him or wrestled or ran into him. You know, it's yeah, you had no it's idea. just incredible, and and the love that our community and you know, friends, family, and strangers just reached out to our family after it. You know, it's, that's one of the biggest things like that I struggle with is that if he, if he would have seen it, I don't, I can't imagine he would have gone through with it. Yeah. Just that loss. Well, you know, because me seeing it, you know, like I was saying, when I, when I decided I wanted to live, me, me, when I was drunk at seven in the morning, looking at that mirror and hearing that voice, like, you know, you're next what I envisioned was his funeral. I saw, Mm -hmm. I saw my family there. I saw my friends there. I saw, and that I couldn't let that happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I realized at that moment, I'm like, all right, though you're turning away from everyone, they're not turning away from you. You know, you might think you're alone, but you're not. You're, you've got people that are out there. If you're, if you're willing to reach out. Yeah. Carol, you wanted to read something? I do. It was just today that a former student of mine posted this on Facebook, and it's kind of oddly appropriate because I found out later that she had been suicidal while she was my student and that I had helped her with some things. And 
totally surprised me, but she wrote this today. It says, rely on and confide in one another. Our true strength lies in our willingness to be raw, broken, and vulnerable. It is from here when we accept an internal landscape of ourselves we have previously never known or been willing to see that we fracture our walls and let our truest light begin to shine through. And I, I think that's pretty cool that you've been so raw and vulnerable today and yeah. and the light shining through. And it's, <laughs> it's beautiful. That's, uh, <laughs> I think that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Just to to show people, try to. My parents always taught us, and our coaches taught us to lead by example. Yeah, and, and I think you are. And I just, the same way you were talking about your show, you hope one person hears it. It's just, if you can, if you can set an example and reach out to one person. You know, I, I tell people, if a hundred or a thousand people don't care what you have to say or hate you for what you have to say but one person can be affected in a positive mm-hmm. way because of what you're saying yeah do it don't hold back do it with 100 percent confidence and you know courage towards that purpose to help that one person and do it and do it in community and so we uh we need to wrap the podcast we always go a little bit along here but i think it was totally worth it jared i thank you so much like carol said thank you for so much for being on an open letter Thank you very much. I had a great time. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who struggle, we've talked about depression before. I know it's hard to get in that hole, and I know it's hard to fight your way out of it, but you have to do it, my friend. You can't stay in there. You can't stay in the hole. There's so many people you impact, and that count on you, and that would be devastated if you took your life. And I know it's seductive, and I felt that seduction myself of it would just be easier to end it. It just I just need the pain to stop because nobody really cares anyway. And you tell yourself, I'm just telling you, those are lies. Those are not true. Obviously, I don't, I'm sure I don't know you, but I know enough about people that you have value and you have people who love you. And even when you don't feel like it, that is not what is true. Try to do an assessment. Try. You're probably not going to hear a voice like Jared did. Um, I don't know what your turning point is going to be. Maybe um, it would be awesome if it was listening to this podcast. But don't give up. I mean, keep keep having hope. Keep having faith. Reach out. The key thing, I think, from what Jared said is you got to be vulnerable and open up and be willing to be honest because you're going to find someone out there who cares. And if you don't find someone out there who cares, contact Jared. Go to Inspire One Fitness on Facebook. Go to an open letter on Facebook. Contact us. We'd love to talk to you about this. And it may be easier to talk to a stranger. I don't know. So, again, we thank you so much for listening to An Open Letter. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Continue to try to talk about things we think are important and must be talked about. If you want to find us, we are on Facebook. It's called An Open Letter. You can email us, an open letter to you at gmail.com. That is the number two, the letter U, an open letter to you at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great day, morning, weekend, whatever you're listening to this. So.